0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Happy Father's Day! Fun video. At our house, we call it Ugly Tie Day. So they find the ugliest tie in all of Austin. This one has a Thanksgiving theme. Um, they look, they dumpster dive. They go to thrift store. Uh, Brett, I think this is yours, isn't it? This is your car. I think the worst part about this tie is I had a shirt that matched it perfectly. So, <laughs> I, had a, I had a pretty good, I had a, I'd say I had a great, good sermon this week. I uh, did all my homework, did the research, and then on Wednesday, I heard a great sermon on this passage. We're in Daniel chapter 3, and, and I remember back uh, when I was in graduate school, uh, someone asked our preaching instructor, you know, hey, is it okay to use other people's stuff? And he said, listen, son... There's a war out there, and we're all short on ammo, and if somebody else's bullet fits in your gun, you shoot it. So here's a 50 caliber round coming at you from John Ortberg. This is good stuff. Let me give you the context of Daniel chapter 3. We're in a book about thriving in a crazy world, and this story is crazy. It starts off... With this celebration and dedication to our allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar and his God of the Week, okay, that's the that's the context here. Everybody's going to be there, especially the VIPs on the VIP deck. Okay, so here's the story in chapter one, chapter three, verse one. King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue whose height was about 90 feet tall and whose width was nine feet. And he set it upon a plain in Dura in the province of Babylon. Okay, These are all the VIB people. Okay, And then the king Nebuchadnezzar sent for all the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials in the province to assemble and to come to the dedication of the statue that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay those that's the VIP tent everybody else is there by the way okay so they're, all, they're all there so verse 3 we'll repeat it again so people do what they're told so the satraps and the prefects and the governor and the counselors and the treasurers and the justices and the magistrates and all of the officials in the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up <clears throat> and when they were when they were all standing before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had come up they had this herald who shouted out to everyone now listen Because this is the new command, okay? All of the people in all the nations in all of the languages, when we start this music, everyone will bow down and worship at the idol that King Nebuchadnezzar has made. If anyone does not fall down and worship this idol that the King Nebuchadnezzar has made, then you will immediately be thrown in a furnace of blazing fire. Start the music, and they did, and everybody bowed down and worshipped the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had made out in this desert, out in this field. And it was a great day. Again, I just want you to reiterate: this is a this is a huge celebration. It's a dedication day, and it is pledge allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar and his god of the week. And you'll see if you read this chapter again and again, you're going to see. Wow, there is a lot of repetition and repeating. And the point of the repetition and repeating, it's an artful way of storytelling, is to make sure that you understand that the theme is about compliance everybody's there, and everybody's doing all the right things. And so they're just going to keep kind of beating this rhythmical drumbeat so that you say everybody's just going along with this. And this was a fantastic afternoon. I mean, they played the song, everybody bowed down. Now they're just sitting around on on the deck waiting for the fireworks to start. It was great. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's thrilled. It was planned for maybe years, and it came, and it worked. It worked great. There were three guys that missed it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't even there. And now these, these, these are the three buddies of Daniel that came over and, uh, from Jerusalem. Their, their town was destroyed. They lost their family. They went through a programming educational system to be good Babylonians and to comply. It's all about compliance. They even had their names changed so that they could be completely disassociated with the gods that they serve, the God that they served and be attached to the gods that they're named after. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And now God's blessed them. God's blessed them. And because of that, Nebuchadnezzar puts them in kind of a high rank in Babylon. And if you're high ranking, people are jealous and they hate you. And so the plot continues. Verse 8. Now, according, accordingly, at this time, certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced these Jews. There's, that was a racial slur. And uh, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, great king, live forever. O great king, you, O king, have made a decree that everyone who ever hears the sound of the entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Now, there are these certain Jews whom have been appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king, He's attacking his ego. They do not serve your gods. They do not worship the golden statue that you custom made and set up here. And so Nebuchadnezzar was furious and commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought to the podium. Like, let's get them out here. And so they brought them to the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you will not serve my gods? And you do not worship this golden statue that I'd set up? And so he gives them the second chance. Now listen. Listen. When the music starts, you worship the statue that Nebuchadnezzar, your king, made. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And and who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Boom. Here's their response. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you don't need to fire up the band. Well, we can answer this right now. We have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to, if our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O King, then let him deliver us. This is good. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship this golden statue that you have set up. This is one of the most noblest expressions of surrender to God that you'll find in print right here. This this is unconditional surrender. We love to sing about unconditional love that we receive from God. This is unconditional love towards God. This is when Job says, though he slay me, I will still trust in him. Okay. And, and, uh, Listen, sometimes in people's lives, when they get to the end of their life and death is inevitable, sometimes they can say profound things. Sometimes they can have regrets in life, those sorts of things. Because, because life, is, life has led them to death, and all of a sudden they're saying something of, of, of merit. That's not what's happening here. This death is escapable. This is optional for them. This is the striking part of this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, they, they don't have to go along with this. They just bend their knee and this nightmare's over. They say the word and they maintain their power and their statue and their respect. That's all they have to do. If they, go, if they don't, unimaginable pain that ends up in death. And, and, and this, is, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is saying out there. Choose. Choose. Life or death. Now, when we've been talking about this series in Daniel, and we've named it Thrive, because here's the thing. We don't want to survive in a difficult, hostile culture. We don't want to live in a difficult, hostile culture. We want to thrive in a difficult and hostile culture. And here's how. Remember the theme. You don't need a greater faith. You need a greater God. And this, what's happening here, is an expression of ordinary people with little bitty faith in a great big God. Oh, he is able, and if he doesn't. Oh, he's able. (laughs) Our God is able. Our God is not a a mythical thing. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a gold-plated wooden icon sitting out in the desert, O king. Our God, our God is real. He made everything. He, he is above time and space and history. He rules the nations. It's all his. Oh, our, our God is able. He is able to save. But if he doesn't, but if he doesn't, they don't serve God because of what, what, because of what they can get out of it. They worship God because of who he is. They trust God because he's worth it that's it. They trust God because he's worth it. And because of that faith in the bigness of how great God is, that's, that's what we need to have to thrive. Now, right there in that sentence, in that phrase, and what they did, that's the key to courage that leads to freedom. Watch this. Be careful. Listen, that, what they're doing right now is the key to courage and to freedom. This is what I was so excited last week to talk to you about, okay? Here, here's why they're able to say what they said. Because somewhere along the journey from Jerusalem up and around the Fertile Crescent to Babylon, they resolved within their hearts they would not defile the, their souls. They would go this far but no further. And, and, and when the, they decided that, those boys became men. And so in chapter one, they would not eat the food because that would defile not their body but their soul. And now here we are in chapter three, they're, just, they're doing it again. The point, here's, in a phrase, we won't go past this point. Or what? Or what? Well, they'll kill us. Well, let's talk through that. And they did. And they said, fine. When that day comes, fine. They're already dead. That's the key. That's where you get courage, and that courage leads to freedom. They're already dead. They made that choice, they resolved within their hearts to die already. There's a phrase for that in the New Testament. It's called born again. Born from above. Now, the hard part is you have to die to be born again. That's where people get hicked up on that, all right? But but the idea of, of a true salvation experience is that you are dead and then you are raised. If you haven't died, you're clinging to stuff. Now, I'm going to show you a couple verses that are fairly common to people, and some, a lot, many people have memorized these. These are, not, these are not self-sacrificing dramatic verses. These are statements of fact that you're already dead. And now, you can move on and be free. Here's one, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. That's sounds like a dead guy I've been crucified with Christ I no longer live and so now (laughs) Christ lives in me and the life I live in the body I can live by faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me that's our journey from Jerusalem to Babylon I've been crucified with Christ and so now I can I can enjoy the freedom of life without fear Here's another one. Here's another famous passage, right? Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, okay, offer your bodies as living and holy sacrifices. Sacrifices are known for being dead. We're going to be a living sacrifice, so we're going to have to stay kind of dead. Holy and pleasing to God, it is your true and proper worship. It's actually the word for true and proper there. It's your reasonable act of worship. This is the key. This is the key to courage. This is how they are able to stand up to this threat. And this is how they're so free. If you're dead, you you can't be killed. If you don't have anything, nothing can be taken away. So if you're if what motivates you is you're afraid, if you're afraid to be alone, right? You're just really afraid to ever be alone. Well, what if you crucified that? What if it died? Then you'll never be lonely. What if if you're consumed with your reputation? But what if you killed it (laughs) and put it where it belongs, on some altar somewhere? Then you would be free to live, wouldn't you? Some of you almost, you know, just are afraid to ever be embarrassed. And so you live safe. You live safe and compliant. What if you killed that? And then you could be free and you could have fun. (laughs) Some of, I mean, listen, some, sometimes a lot of life is nothing more than junior high in a, in a, in a repeating cycle, right? I mean, we just want to be liked, and we want to be maybe with the, with the inner circle, the cool kids. But if you crucify that, okay, if it's, if, it's, if it's a living sacrifice over here, then you can walk into any party and say, I can leave. I don't have to stay here. Five minutes, I'm in and I'm out. I don't have to be part of this club. I don't need to be part of this team. I don't have to have this kind of career path. I won't sell my soul because my soul belongs to someone. You see, hey, listen, dead men can't lose. Dead men can't lose. That's why these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are in the winner's circle because they can't lose. So, let me just go back to the story. That's that's kind of the that's what's motivating them. That's how they have stuff that we think we don't have, but we do. It's the size of their God, and they've just, they've killed they've killed their ego. They resolved in their heart. Now in the story, it's funny. Watch watch how like it's almost like the bulletin, the flyer, the the the, 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 the outline of the service. It was a, a commencement celebration to the new you know idol that we will worship. It is a dedication service to our pledging allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar and his newest God. Well, at this point, everybody is still there, and Nebuchadnezzar has been humiliated in front of everyone and on the VIP stage. So now we're going to kind of tear up our old uh, outline and bulletin, and now it's become a ceremony to learn that you never mess with Nebuchadnezzar. That's what we're going to see now. Look at verse 19. He says, Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted. You know, I mean, he's like, he's being, he's twisting, he's been twisting. You know, he's like, he's absolutely going insane. He gave those guys another chance. He liked them. He, remember in the other verses, he said, okay, look, we're just going to play this song and then you're going to do, I know you were just late. That's okay. But now, and then they said, oh, we're not going to do this. We are absolutely not going to do this. And so their unshakable faith snaps this guy, and he's gone crazy. And so then it says, turn up the furnace of blazing fire seven times. That's a figure of speech to let's make the walls white hot. I want this thing to cook. And then it says that he took his strongest soldiers and had them burn Bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he carried those men, they carried those men into the furnace of blazing fire. But then it says, it says, it says the king's command was so urgent, and he's just screaming at him, Hurry up, hurry up, that the fire gets out of control in the furnace and torches the soldiers. They die and drop Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on the floor of the furnace, still. With their hands and feet bound together, they're just laying there on the floor. Can you can you stop? Let's well like not too far ahead. Here. Can you can you stop and and think about what they must have felt in that experience, right? I mean, they're they're laying on the floor. They've seen this. They've seen this whole thing happen, right? They've they've seen it coming. They when they started the construction of this idol, right? And they started the wood structure. They had the conversation. They started the gold on the other outside of it, and so they they just they like this was the day we were going to die, and so they had every expectation and anticipation that they were going to be burned to death. And I mean, they're real people, right? They have real faith, but they also have they have real fur, uh, fears, and so they get. <laughs> I mean, they're just laying there on the ground. And I'm sure Meshach was, like, panting and stuff and coughing. It's like, why, why are you coughing? Wait a minute. I'm not hot. Are you? No. Why are you coughing, Meshach? I don't know, because I'm in a fiery furnace. And I, my lungs should be on fire right now. They should be burning. But, but they're not. They're not even warm. They're laying on the ground. They're not even warm, and they're no longer tied up. And so they're kind of looking at each other like, what is happening? Now listen, this is the best part, okay? Because because at that moment, they're laying on the floor and they're realizing their hands are free. Down comes a hand that is lit up more brilliant than any of the fires that they're in. And we've gone from a miracle, right, to a divine encounter. That's where this changes everything. It goes from a miracle to a divine encounter, A fourth man in the furnace. Verse 24. And King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Uh, Trepidation is the word. It means he's afraid. There's an element of fear of this. And so he rose up quickly, and he said to the counselors, Hey, there were three guys, right, that we threw bound into the fire? Yes. Oh, true, oh, king. And he said, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the middle of this fire, and they're not hurt, and the fourth man appears to be a god. He is not a god, he is the god. This is Jesus before Bethlehem. He's in the furnace with them. And he's walking around with them. That's just like Jesus. <laughs> let's spend some time in here. <laughs> let's let's talk. I mean he's I mean Jesus was if there was ever a person that was in every moment, he was in let's let's What do you think? I wonder what he said to him, right? What would he say? <laughs> what do you say in the context? A burning, fiery furnace. What's up? No, I mean, <laughs> do, you he, do you think he was telling him how proud the father was of their courage and their trust? Right? Their unconditional surrender to God who's worth it? You suppose he told them that this single act of faithfulness will be told about for millennia? Then you told them about us that 2,600 years from now, on the other side of the planet, in an entirely different culture, in a different language, in a children's building called Live Oak, little children will be singing your names and inspired by you. That the story of this resolve will be motivating people all over the world for centuries to lean into persecution, suffering, and even death. What did they say to him? There's, there's walking around. What did they say to him? Oh, they worshiped him. <laughs> Adoration, gratitude—they worshipped like like they had never worshipped before, right? And what's funny is, I mean, when you think about it, um, they resolved in their heart not to worship that day, right? I mean, they were pulled out of bed. I'm not worshiping today, right? We're all in this, right? I'm not going to worship. The last thing I'm going to do is worship. They get thrown into the fire, right? Their hands—they get—they look into his face. Oh, we're worshiping today. (laughs) We are worshiping today. That furnace looked like the end of their time. It was time and eternity. It, It was nothing that they had ever thought of. It was the greatest moment in their life, and they thought it was the end of their life. The furnace, point is, the furnace is the place where you meet God. It's the place where they met God. It's the place where you and I still meet God. That's the strangest part of this story. Why the fourth man? And that, that is the difference between what it says and what it means. Why the fourth man? Three guys get thrown into the fire, handcuffed together, fire furnace, turned to seven, all that. They get up, they walk around. It's still a great story wonderful miracle. Nebuchadnezzar is still going to freak out and change everything in his view of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the God that they serve. So it's not necessary unless there's some other lesson in it. And this is the lesson. This is what we're supposed to learn from this Jesus showing up in this furnace of blazing fire, that sometimes Jesus or the Lord will save you from a furnace, and sometimes he will save you in the furnace. These men were hoping that God would save them from the furnace. That was not the plan this day. It was that he would send them, save them and meet them in the furnace. He would meet them in the furnace. And you know what? God is still sending out invitations. Jesus is saying, come and meet me in the furnace. And we will pray that we'll want him to save us from it. But he'll say, "No, no, no I, I want, I want you, I want to meet you in the furnace." He's a furnace kind of guy. He's a furnace kind of guy, and if you follow him wholeheartedly and are devoted to him for who he is and that he's worth it, he's going to take you to scary, dangerous, foreboding places. And they will seem like the worst place on earth to be, and they will be the safest place to be. They will be the most glorious place to be, and you will thank him for an adventure of a lifetime. He is still sending invitations to people to meet him in the furnace. I bet he has an invitation for you. (laughs) But you have to keep following into the darkness, into the fear, into the place that only a big God can conquer you'll meet him there. Well, okay, let's go back to the story. This is funny because it goes from, uh, it goes from, okay, this is a great dedication service to the allegiance to the King Nebuchadnezzar and his and his God of the week. Uh, no, 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 no. This service, you, everybody stay up here on the stage, okay, all you VIPs, because this is a lesson about the wrath of King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, wait. Okay, tear up that order of service. It's, It's a worship service to the only God of the universe, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's crazy what happens. Look at verse 26. Keep in mind, this is Nebuchadnezzar. It's the same person. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God. Wow. Come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And listen, everybody's there on the on the stadium seats, right? And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and all the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that the fire had not they had not had any power over their bodies of those men. Not a hair on their head was even singed. Their tunic was not even harmed. Not not even there there was not even a smell of fire that came from them. You guys have sat around a campfire, in 10 minutes, you want to throw your clothes away because a smell of smoke? Not even a smell. He brings up, actually, there's a list of all the things that he was, the, the guys were wearing, and the point was, you know, like in Aramaic, the, the word tunic, right? It's probably a chest covering, something that would be, it would be, and probably had something written on it. It would be like a t-shirt that says, some crazy king threw me into a fiery furnace, and all I have is this lousy t-shirt. And so that's, that's the point of that, really. But but verse 28, the best part, verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his, because he sent an angel to deliver his servants who trusted him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. He is bragging about them disobeying him in front of all the VIPs and the people. There's a guy that... He didn't even care that his strongest soldiers died because he was so in the middle of a tantrum. And now now he can't contain himself. Now he's going to write a new law. New law. Therefore, I make a new decree. <laughs> okay, okay, trying to keep up here. Any people, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be laid into ruins. There you go. And there's no other God who is able to deliver this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to, to the province of Babylon. They didn't get restored. They got promoted. Remember how the story started? And here we go again. Remember how it ends? What was life like for these three men for the rest of their lives? This is the last time you'll hear from them. Won't be heard about again. I mean, can you imagine? What, what would that be like? Just, I, I wonder. I wonder this. I wonder this because we probably have these thoughts. How easy would it have been to miss this? How easy? All you had to do is say the word, right? And we can move on. Just bend a knee, just halfway down. It's okay, we'll get it. And you'll keep your place of position. You'll keep your structure and your authority. And they'd miss the moment of their life. I wonder if they just thought, I wonder if they thought, wow, I was almost going to miss a date with the fourth man. What is life like growing old when this happens to you? Imagine these guys getting together when in their 80s, you know, on the anniversary. <laughs> they probably actually go out, right, to, you know, right, an old rusted out icon. And they tell the story, don't they? They wear their T-shirt. Their wife has been trying to throw away for all these years. And they sit around and we were young. We, were, we, def- we defied the king, you know. Uh, you remember the time when, when Meshach was hacking and coughing like his lungs had smoke in it? That was, yeah, shut up. We're bring it up every year, right? <laughs> Do you remember when you saw his hand? Do you remember when you looked into his face? Oh, yeah. You know why they would tell the story again and again? Because, friends, if you've spent any time in the furnace, okay, if you've gone to this place that's dark and scary, and foreboding, and there's no guarantee you'll be saved, and you've trusted that God would be God, whether he saved you or not, and you would not bend the knee, you would not utter the word, if you've been to that furnace, friends, you're marked. It marks you. And then it it redefines you. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about going to the furnace. It's the last thing anybody wants. It's the best place on earth. Sometimes God delivers us from the furnace. Sometimes God delivers us in the furnace. This is the problem with the American church. This is the problem. The greatest danger is that we uh, have like a furnace avoidance default program. We, we do whatever we can to stay away from it, and listen to our prayers, dear God, keep keep us safe and and comfortable and financially secure and free from pain. Could you make my life downhill and smooth and then I could drift off into death while i 'm sleeping during a good dream i mean i've got I know you I know you have a wonderful painful life there 's mine, and it looks. And God's calling us, God's calling us to a dangerous life, the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where we learn to like the taste of our own blood. If if God, picture this, okay? Try to picture this. It's kind of a weird thing. Uh, God has a calendar. I know He wouldn't need a calendar, He wouldn't forget anything, and He's everywhere already. So, but what if God had a calendar? and, And then on that day, on the commencement day, the big celebration day, God writes, oh, meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. And what if they missed the appointment? Because they just kind of did a genuflect and went back to work. What if on his invitation to you, it says your name on his calendar, and it says, meet her in the furnace? you don't want to miss that appointment don't miss that appointment so here's here's the challenge of this passage okay it's dangerous but you stop asking for less pampering in your prayers you stop asking for comfort and and certainty and security and an admirable reputation and you, and you say instead, I want to do what God wants. And I want to go anywhere He wants. I mean, the human soul, friends, it's made in the image of God. It is meant for so much greater things. And we are, we are ships at sail built for speed, but we keep on picking up barnacles, you know? On the way, it's slowing us down. We stu- we're studying this book to say, man, there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to God. He has to be bigger than this. And, and, and we have to pray that. We have to pray this, okay? Pray the negative thing. God, heal me from my addictions of fear and comfort and security and significance and put me in a place where I can show myself and, and other people the greatness of who you are and what you can do. And if you don't, you're still worth it. I will obey because you're worth it. I mean, you could show up you know, at work. I know it's easy to pray at work because, I mean, I, I, people come to me all the time. And they say, you know, I, can you pray that I could get a better place to work? I, I work with fallen, difficult, cranky, miserable people. And I go, yeah, me too, you know? And they say that about me. So <laughs> what if maybe maybe that's where he's going to meet you and maybe you're supposed to learn Discretion and, and love and tolerance and, you know, how to, how, to, how to know when to speak and when not to. Maybe God's calling you to a furnace of service to take you to a place where you can use your gifts in ways that scare you, that scare you. The, the furnace could be in, in, in that context of serving the poor in some way. Personally, for me, my experience was in generosity. Generosity, just giving, Okay. I mean, I was afraid. My idol was financial security, and that's, that's a great idol because it's the idol that keeps you giving, you know? You can always have more in the bank, right? They're never safe enough. And uh, truth be told, I married someone that took me into the furnace, so I was holding her hand. But and let me tell you how it ended, okay? That's a better story. But when listen, friends, that owned me. I feared that. It motivated my choices, and then I killed it. And I went from a non-giving person to a person that gave out a duty because I was told to, and he's worth it, to a generous giver. That the goal is, is the only way our finances make sense is if there's a God in heaven. If he chooses. And now I'm free. (laughs) That was crucified with Christ. Look, I, honestly, we bag everybody up. We go out you know, on 361-83 right there at the peak of that hill, and, we, and somebody builds a giant gold statue, right? And we're going to all meet there, and we're supposed to bow down and worship that. And when the music starts, get on your knees. There's no one that's going to do that. I mean, I, you guys are great. You're not going to real, you know what? Right? But here's the thing, friends. In this culture, in this time, in this country, the golden statue is comfort. The golden statue is safety. The golden statue is ease and security and reputation. And we'll bow, we'll bow to that. We'll play homage to that. Can you think of anybody that made the Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11 that didn't suffer? How do you become a hero? You take a punch. When did Jesus say, I'm God and I have a wonderful plan for your life. You're going to love it. Okay, steady job, a mate that always says you're right, you know, uh, living happily ever after. Did he say that? He never said that. He said, you follow me and you will be on an adventure. And you'll be introduced to a God that is spellbinding and will uh, is unimaginable. And you will have outrageous joy and you will get into trouble. You will get into trouble. And since that invitation that he said meant 2,000 years ago, I'll meet you in the furnace, people have been following him into that furnace. And his disciples, they followed him, right, into sacrificial giving, into his definition of what real community was, right, and and his love for the church. They followed him into suffering. They followed him even into death. We are here today in this room, in this pampered, air-conditioned, climate-controlled worship center that is beautiful. No apologies. But we're here because people over the years, have made a decision on their day to go into that furnace. Today's your day. Today's my day. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had their day. Daniel had his day. Paul, Peter, they had their day. This is our day. This is our day. This is our day day to show that we will not bend our knee to comfort or control or safety and security. We will worship only the one true God, and if he doesn't, he still is. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, You are watching? No, you are there. Why? That's where he hangs out. Let's pray negatively that we'd quit being spoiled kids. And let's pray positively that we would be warriors looking for a furnace. Lord Jesus, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there. You are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, would you please help me quit being such a pampered little boy that wants comfort and control and safety and security and for all of life to add up outside of this furnace. And Lord, I pray that you would make us, because of how we perceive who you are and what you've done, as the great God that, we, that, it, that exists, that we would, we would do that. We would, and we would kill these things that should have been crucified with you long ago, that should have left on that sacrificial slab so that we might be free to demonstrate to other people the greatness of the God that we serve. Lord, I'd ask that you would give us an opportunity soon to walk through a furnace if it means holding your hand, if you, you are making an appointment, don't let us miss it, Lord. Don't let, let us be a church. Let us be a church of Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednegoes, of Ruth and Esthers, a church that's courage courageous, a, a church that thrives in a crazy world. And all God's people said, amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.